Hello, and welcome to this ep- this week's episode of Fast Talk. I'm your host, Eric, and co-host... Alex Keen. Uh, we have quite the lineup for you today. Um, we'll start off with the latest news. Uh, Alex, we want to discuss the 2024 X5 refresh. We did, because this is a car that we've really, really liked for the past couple of years. Neither of us used to be BMW guys. In fact, of the big three, Mercedes, Audi, BMW, that was the brand that we saw ourselves least likely to get into. Now, a couple of years later... Eric Daly's a BMW X7. I don't drive a BMW at all. But you know what? This X5, I like the way it looks a lot. The PHEV, I like a lot. Just the regular 40i, I like a lot. Um, this could be, I I would say, of any mid-size luxury SUV, this might be the one I'd get into. Yeah, agreed. I, um, you know, I've had many uh, uh, SUV in, in this class, and... Um, and then finally onto my X7, which I love. It's refreshed the LIC with the kind of like curved front display and kind of the refreshed front rear and, and interior. And I mean, it's probably been the, the favorite car that I've had in regards to kind of like what I'm looking for at this point, which is my favorite you've had, which is a shock to me, you know, shying away from performance and really focusing on like tech luxury, kind of like just daily driving. Cause we live in the city and it's like. You don't really get many opportunities like floor off the line. So that and also like I feel like with performance cars you've had in the past, the ride quality is just a disaster. And in, in San Francisco of all places too, the way the BMW drives is it's it's truly I'm not gonna say it's phantom like, but I mean, having never driven a phantom, it's gotta be, you know, eighty percent of the way there. Which you kinda have to have. Yeah, it's certainly not far. And anyway, so so back to the 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 X five refresh itself. So that's getting all of the facelifted enhancements that the um, the X7 got, the I guess the 340s got, the iX has in regards to the interior. Tech, I, in my opinion, tech is great. It's like pretty on par, I think, for the most part with what you know the other industry leaders are including in their car, Mercedes, Mercedes, and Mercedes. <laughs> And which is literally it. And I'm sure we'll get into this later, but the, what VW group is doing in terms of interior tech, driver assistance tech, it's a crime. So we'll get into that later. But, but I do, I'm with you. I do like the interior a lot. I was going to say if they did like what they did to the eight series where they touched it up to the LCI, but didn't touch the interior, I was going to be appalled and say, this is not a great car for me, but because they did do the interior and I do like this interior so much with the curved display, I think it's, it's immediately right up there. I would say, this and the GLE are one too. I don't know who's buying a Q7 right now, but the, you, this and the G and the GLE, I think, are both comparable on the interior. I like the way they look from the outside. My one bugaboo with this car is that with these new headlights that they now have on the on the LCI 3 Series, the X3, it's pretty much the exact same DRL graphic as they have on the X3 and the, and the 3 Series. So in my mind, it kind of cheapens the look a little bit. I don't know if I'm if I like that, but you know. It's something. Yeah. The the other thing, and I actually have to look into this. I'm not sure. Maybe we can verify this on the, uh, you know, while while we're talking. But so, uh, the this, this LCI refresh for again, like you know, a fairly wide array of the BMW like lineup came out when 2023 or 2023, and there's rumors that for the the 2024 is whether it's the, um. I guess whether it's the X7, <clears throat> most likely the X5, or the um, probably 3 Series iX, they'll get the similar 
hardware upgrade package uh, specifically to like the their you know autopilot whatever you want to call it their drivers professional package that the the refresh seven series currently has where it's completely hands off eyes on the road up to 80 miles an hour whereas today it's 40 they're also supposedly bringing in more like augmented reality type features into um like the 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 gauge cluster rather than like just like your your general infotainment screen and then um yeah i guess that's kind of so it sounds like what they're doing is kind of catching up with mercedes on that front in terms of ar because they've had that in the s class eqs eqe so they're kind of new flagship products and then i guess the next generation of new flagship products from bmw makes sense within a year or two so as near as makes no difference bringing the same features in which i i like a lot i think you and i are pretty much the same way where we love gimmicky features so augmented reality on the head-up display, I think that's perfect. Like, of course, it doesn't add any more value in your day-to-day drive, but being able to sort of see those those arrows on the next road, I I think it's cool. I don't love it on the infotainment screen and the head-up display. It's the coolest thing ever. So, if if it's a gimmick, I'm all for it. So I'm pumped to see that. And then, of course, the actual eyes on the road, eyeball tracking, whatever, no hands on the wheel. I think that's actually useful um, because it's. I mean, I think that's going to be table stakes in the next year or two. Yeah, so uh, new hardware refresh coming supposedly in April. So, for example, I have the 2023 X7. They're doing like a, I don't even know, after one year putting new hardware in. So if you order it after April of 2023, you know, you're getting hardware in your X7s that you wouldn't have in, like, you know, the, I guess the first half, first portion of 2023. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, th- I think aside from that, it's, you know, starting to come standard on all their cars. Which I, th- I think it's, it's great to see. And that's one thing that's interesting to me is the sort of the the advent of the intra or mid model year changes to the product. It's almost like Tesla, right? Where they make a tweak to the product, even on a hardware perspective and even things like the OS. Like my understanding is iDrive 8 is based on Linux now, but then starting in April, March, April, it's going to be based on Android, or not Android Auto, I always mess that up. Android car, Android... Automotive, automotive, that's what it is. That's super confusing. Um, but little tweaks like that, and then they unlock more driver assist features. They get the dynamic handling package standard, right? So things like that mid-model year, I think is funky, and it is it is kind of Tesla. I wonder if that's kind of the way of the future when more features become available over, via OTAs. Um, and this is sort of a one-off where it's actual substantive hardware changes that are different or, or what. But the fact that it's mid-model year is, is funky to me, and I kind of like it. Not waiting until the 2024s to make it happen. Yeah, and I, th- I like think like I think BMW, and again, supposedly has has done this in the past where they, you know, come out with a new model. So like think 20, 2019. Again, I using X7 as an example because I I have one. But 2019 X7 came out first ever. 2020, we're just short of 2020. They put new hardware in it, and so like as soon as they come out with these models, um, you know they're they're starting to put new hardware in. I don't know why. I It's a little bit frustrating. Good for them, honestly. It's like no different than the way software and technology, you know, consumer hardware progresses, but a little bit frustrating when you spend, you know, whatever you're spending and then six months later you're getting new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's, I, I like that they're not waiting for the new model year, but 100%. If you get the 2023 and then another 2023 has different stuff in it for the same cost, I, I get that that's, it's probably not the most seamless way to buy a car ever and you feel a little bit left in the dust but i i still do like the move a lot um and i, I do like that the to tie back tie back originally the, the x5 is including all this stuff at a lower price point i like that it's 
I, I do like that BMW is trickling it down the whole lineup. And that's one thing that I also kind of, I'm curious to get your opinion about is the X5 interior is going to be largely the same as the X7 interior, right? Identical. Identical. Yeah. And in fact, the three series has the same interior, right? Largely. Mercedes, same deal. S-Class, to, to the untrained eye, if you're just a random person who doesn't like cars, an S-Class interior is the same as a C-Class interior. So what do you make of this larger trend of automakers just trickling the same interior down their product lineup? And it's similar to what we're seeing in headlight graphics and our Mercedes is guilty of this. And now with these sort of new LCIs on their SUVs, I think BMWs dipping their toe in the same vat. Just too much similarity between the lineup. Do you like the consistency? Does it make the lower end products feel more elevated? Does it cheapen the higher end products? What do you think now this is becoming more of an epidemic? I think that the argument could be made like for for kind of like, I guess, both sides there, like putting a, putting the, you know, same, same interior infotainment in the three series, like base 340i, 330i, then you're putting in a hundred thousand, $120,000 XB, no, $160,000 XB7. It's a little bit ridiculous, but at the same time, what I do admire is that, I mean, the hardware is so good that like, even as an, an XB7 driver, you can't be mad about it, right? It's, it's, and I mean, to a certain extent, right? You're still missing, you're going to be missing out on features and the, the lower end trims, like some of the heads up display technology, like probably some of the other, in, I don't know, the other interior luxuries. Sound but. deadening and ride quality. Of course, that's going to be worse. You're going to have a four banger under the hood. So I do get that. But I, it, to your point, the fact that you don't feel like you're being, you know, robbed driving a $150,000 car this interior, I think is a testament to how good it is. And I would, I would imagine it's kind of a similar deal if you drive, you know, $186,000 Maybach with the same interior up front as now a C300. I mean, it doesn't feel bad the Maybach. It's, you know, it's, I, it's interesting the way that that works. And I, I imagine they're going to sell a bazillion of these GLCs, C-classes, X3s, 3 Series that have these new interiors because... You know, it has the funky ambient lighting. People are going to want to put that on Instagram. I feel like a boomer saying that, but I stand by it. I think it's it's a good way to get the brand out there. People are going to be like, wow, BMW is so nice. Mercedes is so nice because they see these three series and C-classes with all that uh, higher end stuff up front. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, and I mean, it certainly makes um, pr production easier. Probably will eventually lead to, you know, maybe like less expensive car, right? Probably cost less, maybe, maybe I know we'll see if they pass that on to the consumer ever. I doubt they will, but you know, it's a possibility and it allows the, well, I guess to a certain extent, like all manufacturers, um, use the same like core OS for their, for their cars across their car lineups that you, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the, I feel like the, the classic example of really putting an OS or buttons or switch gear to use across a big swath of vehicles. It's VW Group, right? You get a Q7 with a four banger in it. You get some of the same switch gear and kind of the same OS, just with a different skin on it, than you do with a, you know, Bentayga Azure or a Urus Performante, right? It's the turn signal stock's the same. The gauge cluster is the same with just different graphics for the speedometer, right? It's the same tech. It's the same buttons in many cases. And what I think what still cracks me up is in a Bentayga, the temperature controller is lifted from a q5 rather than like a q7 or a, you know q8 or anything like that 
it, it cracks or an A4 um, for that matter. And that, that cracks me up. But to your point earlier, it's not the most outrageous looking thing in a Bentega. It's only because we know it comes from an A4 or Q5. We're like, blech. But I mean, what do you think? Is it, does it, is that too far where you're getting a $300,000 yes. car? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. In every way, shape, or form, that is unacceptable. If I'm spending $300,000 on the like brand new uh, Bentega Azure long wheelbase car that literally is $300,000. I will not accept bla uh, matte black pa plastic buttons in my car. Like, and you know me, this is my number one bugaboo with cars. I'd rather have a car with three wheel three wheels than a car with matte black plastic wheel arches, like the E Class All Terrain now has. Now they made it the All Terrain instead of the station wagon, or on the interior, like they have on even now the base A8s have matte black plastic interior buttons, which I think is idiotic. Um. It, make it make it piano black. I'll take a, I'll take fingerprints, but the matte black plastic on a Bentayga, come on. So okay, another thing before we before we completely move off the the X five refresh. Um, so Alex the other day sent me a link to the <laughs> the X five black vermilion. Not a link. I saw one in oh, trap. Saw one in real life. That's right. And then I looked it up. I looked it up because I had no idea what that was. So apparently. BMW does these things called Black Vermilion, and is that okay? Wait, let me let me ask you a clarifying question: Is that like the AMG AMG GT Black series, where it's like the end of a of an era of a car, or like like how do they decide on on when to do this? I think it's the first time they've ever done it, and it's I don't think it's it's certainly nothing special like a Black series, um, like they had done for the SLS and the AMG GT on the Mercedes side. I think it's it first of all it's literally just a they they check all the option boxes is the first thing to do on a base BMW X5 40i. It's not an M50i, it's not an X5m, it's not an M comp, it's an X5 40i. So that's what we're starting with. It's a Satis inline 6 and you get what 362 horsepower out of it or something like that. It's no speed racer car. So what do they do? They give you these they check the option boxes so you have your optional ventilated seats because that's the that's the class of car it is you get your optional you know second row you know climate zones and then they make the whole thing matte black and then they add what looks like i swear to god identical to any aftermarket modification modification you'd get red grill strakes so instead of the you know shadow line package you might get that murders out your grill or from the factory it might be chrome the grill strakes are red and i Google images right now. Swear to God, it's a red grill on a matte black X5. And then it's a, kind of the same thing all around. It's maybe debadged out back and there's maybe different red accents. I'm sure there's something stupid like red seat belts on the interior or something. But I mean, the whole thing is so stupid because there's no performance. It's the lowest performance one. And it's really just an optical upgrade. And I, I don't get, oh, oh, oh. And it costs an extra $20,000 over what it would cost if it was just a loaded X5. It looks aftermarket. They put 22s on it. Yeah, it's the regular 22s you would get if you got like the M Sport package and got the 22s, but they're matte black, the rim. So they actually plastic dipped and the whole car looks wrapped. It is, it is so stupid. I, I just don't understand. It'd be one thing if it was like a no cost option, 
even then I wouldn't get it. But the fact that it's $20,000, maybe $20,600 more than it otherwise would be, it's, it's so stupid. You get red brake calipers, that makes it faster. Um, but the red grill, I've never seen something look so stupid. Okay, gun to head, here's a question for you. Would you rather drive one of these or an otherwise great spec X540i, could be the M Sport package, whatever you want, but just with the 3M Sport uh, aftermarket stripes in the grill? I'll take the 3M Sport, the, the M Sport stripes in my grill, truly. I would too. There, I, there's no defending what because I can spec the the regular X5 however I want. Aside from that, yeah, you, oh yeah, like silver oh, yeah. or black or the crystal whatever, then the deep navy blue. I just don't get it. I really don't get it. Oh, and you know what? They, they don't debadge it in the back. I'm on Google Images right now. They keep the X5 badge, and better yet, they keep the 40i badge on the back. So it looks aftermarket. So if you want to make your own X5 black vermilion package at home probably cost you like a couple thousand bucks amazon grill and then take it to your local kenny's wrap um all right let's let's move on to the next one which is um as i'm sure you know many of our listeners have have seen in the news lately the tesla recall so tesla's recalling nearly three hundred and sixty-three thousand vehicles and i should put a quote quote unquote on on recall um three hundred sixty-three thousand vehicles equipped with again quote unquote full self-driving um I mean, any initial thoughts on this? I mean, I, th- first of all, I, I'm skeptical of, uh, recalls always sound so dramatic. Like, for example, I have two recalls outstanding on my car at the moment. Number one is the sensor for the fuel tank um, to see how full it is can, like, get stuck until you have more gas than you do. Um, so they're like, oh, recall for that. You get an official, like, a big orange safety notice in the mail. It looks like your car's about to explode. The second thing is like if you spill coffee on the back seat, like, and it leaks into a certain electric fuse box or something, your engine might not produce as much power. And so they're like, wow, like, again, orange safety notice in the mail. So I do think I appreciate that the regulators are so mindful of safety with these recalls, but I'm always so, there's always so much sensationalization around, whoa, wow, like 363,000 Teslas have been recalled. It's probably just, in this case, it is, I think, a pretty minor just OTA. Because um, every every driver assist suite is going to have some teething problems. We'll get into our experiences with, with autopilot um, itself in a bit. But I've, I'm surprised there's this much press about it. I'm not surprised they were called the cars. I think it's a good thing they did. But I'm surprised there's this much press about it. I think it's being over. I think it's being made more than it really. I agree. I mean, like... Again, like you're you're recalling a software like across that many vehicles, right? Like to call it a recall, like I mean, Elon described it as what anachronistic. Like it does feel like that's maybe a little bit as a, you know, a previous generation thing. Like I I get it. Like there there has been so much media. There 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 are smear campaign. I I don't want to call it a smear campaign. I'm not trying to defend Tesla in any way, shape, or form. Um, but it feels like there are smear campaigns on. You know, you you see ads on like CNN. Or like Fox News, whatever, right? Your mainstream channels that, um, you know, whoever, I don't know who's funding these things, but you see like, you know, a Model 3 going like hit a blow up kid that is on a little track going across the road. Um, that's not necessarily full, well, I guess that's all in full stuff driving. But. Which is, I mean, yeah, I, I think we, you and I have a difference of opinion on like whether or not those are a smear campaign or like valid. I th- my personal take is I'd be fine with these feature suites being what they are 
if they were marketed right. So the full self-driving, convincing people that it is full self-driving, convincing people that it's level three, I think that's unsafe. Um, and so the fact that it's it's so far from that is what is kind of a bugaboo to me. But in this case, the recall, like, I'm, I think it makes sense that they are doing it because really all this means is the government decided that there should be an OTA before Tesla itself did. But I'm sure over time it would have been the same end result. There would have been an OTA interfacing this. So I I don't think it's it's newsworthy. You know, I I'm sure it's OTA worthy, but um it, it doesn't feel like it's it's worth worthy of the news. But um I I did just I was just down in Joshua Tree this past weekend and Hertz gave me a it was the worst rental car I've ever had. It was a short range Model 3. Sorry, standard range plus Model 3. So short range. Rated for like 220 miles. I got maybe 110 out of a charge. Um and it had like 30,000 miles. It wasn't that old. Um, but regardless, the autopilot was awful. And it was it was a 2022 um, car. And it, you know, it had the full self-driving computer and everything. I checked in the settings. It was terrible. Um, and my girlfriend was in the car. She's not a car person. She was like, I feel unsafe when it's on. She asked me to stop using it. Um, so it's really, really, it was terrible. Um, it was a lot of phantom braking. It would um, actively swerve into the, not swerve, but, you know, drift into the opposing lane and think it was still in a lane. I couldn't, it would put up a lot of resistance to try to get it back on the right side of the road. It would, you know, just leave, it would just lose the lane lines right as you're entering a turn. So you really have to be Johnny on the spot. And this is stuff that to a certain extent hits other uh, ADAS systems, adaptive or whatever, active driver assist systems, whatever it is. Um, but this is by far the worst I've ever used. Um, and my car, I drive a 2019 A6, and that's, that is certainly far from the state of the art, but it was so much worse than that. And I was driving on like, I was desert roads, like perfect lane lines, straight, wide open, gentle turns, great visibility. So I, I can see why people are a little bit more sensitive to the feature suite here, just because it's, in my very limited experience, I know you've had much more experience with this feature suite than I have, but in this limited experience on perfect roads, I was shocked by how bad it was. Like, re- and like it was really disconcerting. And again, girlfriend was like, I don't feel safe when this is on. Okay, so here's a CNBC article, February 22nd. Lucid re- Lucid's revenue falls short of estimates as it guides to higher EV production in 2023. So here's some key points. Um, EV maker Lucid on Wednesday reported fourth quarter revenue that fell short, very short of expectations. It built just 7,000 of its air luxury sedans last year amid manufacturing challenges, but expects to make more, you know, between 10,000 and 14,000 vehicles in 2023. Fairly promising. Um, the company ended the year with about $4.4 billion in cash and roughly $500 million available via lines of credit. Enough to laugh. Okay, these are horrible key points. What about the losses? Um, let me give you guys a quick, um, you know, summary. So, EV maker Lucid on Wednesday reported fourth quarter, uh, you know, revenue that fell short of expectations after building just 7,000 of its air luxury sedans amid, you know, manufacturing challenges. Um, you know, the, the, the shares of the company fell roughly 7% in after hours trading. So loss per share, 28 cents, or I guess EPS negative 28 cents. Revenue was, um, 257, 258 million versus the 303 million, um, expected, Based on analysts, um, any anything? I mean, this is just kind of the the high level summary, Alex. Anything to add to the 
So the, the long story short is they underperformed on revenue, they underperformed on earnings, so they lost more than they expected to and more than people expected them to. But on the plus side, they did increase the number, or they raised guidance around the number of cars they're hoping to make next year. Um, but I think the big thing that that really caught my eye is, number one, comparing this to companies like Rivian and, of course, Tesla in its early days. We can get to those in a second. But number two is the this fun fact and figure that's buried deep in the, um, not deep in the earnings call, but, you know, it's certainly in there, is the decline in reservations on hand that Lucid has, which... In its last update on November 7th, they said they had over 34,000 reservations on hand. Um, and is that, that number has now fallen to 28,000 as of February 21st. And of course, they've delivered some cars since then. But if, but they only delivered 7,000 all of last year. So that, what is it, 6,000 car difference isn't attributable to that delta between November and now. So in my mind, it's a sign that they kind of have to get their house in order. And Eric, you know this, but I have a Lucid on order and I... Maybe I had, I'm not sure if it even lapsed or, or what the deal is, but I had a Lucid on order that I was super, super excited about. I ordered it in November, 2021 with every intention of following through on the order. And, you know, I test drove a pre-production car, I test drove a production one. Love, I still think the car is fantastic. The range they can get out of a small battery, the wonder boxes, I love the way they look. The interior I think is fantastic. It's the anti-model S I think in, in a number of ways. And it's, it's, I love, I, I love the car, but the way they're going to market, I think is really, it's doing them a disservice. Number one is they're too expensive. It's you're, you're not pricing the cars, right? Like I think it's better to, to take a hit on the gross margins for now and then just really scale, get the cars out there. And then you can do what Tesla has done, which is increase prices over time. Um, but I think if you want to have a competition with something like a Model S, you can't price an Air Touring at 114, right? You got to price it at 99.99 or 99.999. Um, so I think something like that is something we have to consider. Number two is kind of nickel and diming. So this was my experience. This is kind of what, what made me ultimately cancel was two things. Number one is on the air touring, you can get, you get adaptive cruise standard as you'd expect, but lane centering assist, which is something you get standard on a Kia Optima, right? That costs $10,000 to include, um, which I, and of course, there are other features baked in there as well, start, stop, and traffic, yada, yada, yada. But maybe that's even standard. Regardless, lane centering assist, $10,000. And then the, the second thing was that the sound system wasn't so good. But point is, I think they're, they're charging, the, at the end of the day, too much money for the car. If you want to sell more cars, you want to get more reservations on the book, you want this car to go viral the way Rivians have, you've got to, got to outperform versus what people are expecting. That's what happened to Rivian. People are over the moon the way these things perform in terms of, you know, the interior capabilities, the they're quick, they're off-road, whatever. Lucid doesn't have that many jacks or tricks up the sleeve. So you gotta do the one thing really well, the EV luxury cruiser really well for the price. And they don't they don't do it well enough, I think, for a hundred and fourteen thousand dollar car. So I think they gotta figure that out, get build a brand for themselves, and then you can start raising the prices once they have the order books filled out. Hundred percent agree. I mean I, I'd been when I took two test drives with you. I was I was a backseat passenger, and honestly, yeah. To your point, great great car. Yeah, not not a hundred. And what is the um, the the Grand Touring? The, so there's a Grand Touring is the high. So go, yeah, now it's Grand Touring performance is the highest thing. Grand Touring and then Touring and then Pure. So I, Touring the Touring starts at one oh seven four, but that includes kind of not great stuff. Like I think you still have to spec the glass roof. Um, which is four thousand dollars, maybe more. 
you have to spec the good sound system, that's $4,000. If you want to put 21s on it, that's going to be a couple thousand bucks. If you want to put, um, the good, did I say good sound system already? That's going to be a few thousand bucks. Um, and of course the advanced driver assistance, dream drive pro, they call it, that's going to be $10,000. So a number of these features, it's a question of your willingness to pay on the margin for, for each of these features. But at the end of the day, $110,000 can get you a lot of car. And we'll get into the used car market in a second if you're willing to look used. But even the new car market, right? You're competing against Model S. Yeah, this has 15 miles more range. Yeah, this has a way nicer interior. But it doesn't have the charging network that the Model S has. And it costs $10,000 more. So I think it's, it's going to be an uphill battle for a lot of regular Joes who have never heard of this brand to get it seriously on the radar and, and take the risks associated with a new car brand without its own charging network to pay a premium for an unproven car. You got to get people in the cars. You got to get it proven. So it has some brand equity and then you can upcharge. It's day one stuff. I'm not sure what they're doing at the wheel here. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. Good stuff. But so I think that's, that's why they have the earnings they have. I mean, you're going to be burning a lot of cash. You're going to see deterioration in the order book as long as you don't have brand equity. Um, but speaking of burning cash, do we want to get into Rivian and their 2022 where they burned? Yes. Take, take us away, Alec. All right. So this is a, I didn't know this. This is a Wall Street Journal article that came out this week. Of all publicly listed tech companies ever, no tech company, and I'm here referring to Rivian as a tech company, which may be generous. No tech company has ever burned more cash in a year than Rivian did in 2022. So they burned $6.4 billion in cash in 2022. And of course, there's two big reasons for that. Number one is the original cars they sold, which are the cars they're delivering now, they underpriced those criminally. They were like $70,000, right? $75,000 for an incredible 835 horsepower quad motor truck that has pretty luxury features, yada, yada, yada. Um, and number two is they're scaling up the company. So they're burning a lot of cash on R&D. They're, they're burning a lot of cash on scaling manufacturing operations and getting the name out there, things like that, building out their charging network, the Rivian Adventure Network, whatever they're calling it. But I mean, $6.4 billion is a huge number. Rivian burned, I think, three, excuse me, Lucid burned 3.3 three in the same time. And then the fact is the, it's more than Uber did when they were publicly traded at, at their peak. And Uber burned some cash. Uber burned some cash. It's more than, well, I guess WeWork wasn't publicly listed until very recently, but it's, it's it boggles the mind that they burned that much cash. So here's a question for you then. What do you think is next for them? Do they do they get this in order? They have a lot of cash on hand because they have that crazy IPO. Yeah. I mean, Lucid's have become, excuse me, Rivian's have become immensely popular. Super popular. But they're also $75,000. They're, they're not expensive. I mean, yeah. They're a great bang for your buck. I mean, I'm just sorry. I'm just reading through this, this Wall Street Journal article. I mean, that is insane. $6.4 billion. Yeah. And so, so for context, Tesla at its low, like absolute worst cash flow ever as a publicly traded company, um, negative $4.1 billion in cash flow. That was in 2017. Um, so, you know, the fact that Rivian is going through about 50% more than that is kind of no joke. They are market cap is 14 billion and they burned half of that entire market cap in one year. Yeah, but they're so well capitalized because remember when they went public, they, their market cap was sixty billion dollars, something like that, or more, maybe more, one hundred twenty billion or something like. That. It was it was an insane number. But the point is, they got a ton of cash on hand from this from the share of the sale of those shares, 
And so they have enough cash to burn that much again next year and then part of next year, the year after that rather. So they're well capitalized, but if I'm them, and and I, they are doing this to their credit, but if I'm them, you got to you gotta prove to the street that you can scale production responsibly. People can wait a little bit longer. It adds to the mystique. You burn a couple of reservations, whatever. Um, I think it's worth having some people drop off your list just in order to make sure that you can scale production um, quickly. Excuse me sustainably so i'm curious where they land but a pretty pretty shocking amount of cash burn um and maybe lends some credibility to the the folks running lucid the fact that they're scaling production so slowly but losing in terms of a cash flow basis about half of what rivian did so we'll see that we will all right moving on i got a question for you alex would you rather s class refresh of course 2023 S-Class, 580, 2023 Audi S8, 2023 BMW 7 Series, the, yeah. this, this, the V8, the twin turbo V8. You know, this is, it's been top of mind for us the past week because we also always talk about these three cars, I feel. Um, the short answer is S-Class, and let me walk you through why. Number one is the S8 is the easy one to disqualify because it has, what, 523 horsepower, the Mercedes has 500, a little bit more than that. Once we you include the EQ boost, I think. The BMW, I think 523, same deal. Um, so maybe the Audi has 530, whatever it is. So it's, it doesn't really have a horsepower advantage. And in fact, with this car, I'd want it to kind of waft. I wouldn't necessarily be looking for the crazy performance. I'd want it to waft and be comfortable. And the issue I have with the Audi is that interior. They got a Q7 interior in there, an A6 interior. I drive an A6 now. I'd be getting the exact same interior with a bigger back seat. And my back seat passengers can kick rocks. I don't care how comfortable it is back there. You can rip it out for weight savings. I don't care. If the interior up front looks the same as an A6, it's not worth 150, 140, whatever it is by the time you spec it up. So that the S8's out. It also, I think the refresh looks worse than the original one because the headlights look so similar to an A3. So you get someone who doesn't know cars. They think it is an A3, blah, 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 blah. Can't have that when you got, you know, a twin turbo executive sedan, twin turbo V8 executive sedan. The seven series, my big issue with it isn't so much the interior. I think the interior is beautiful. A lot of good gimmicks in there. The screens in the rear doors, the auto closing doors, the theater screen in the back. A lot of great gimmicks in there. I love it. Um, it's beautiful. I love the interior a lot. My issue with it is that it looks like the Grinch. Um, it literally looks, it, it's so ugly. Um, my, yeah, it's ugly. And funny enough, my issue with it isn't, I, I've kind of, I'm not, I haven't gotten used to the front, but it's, everyone talks about it. So I'm not going to talk about it more. I'm not used to it. I think it's disgusting. What I think is slept on is how bad the rear is. So the rear of the seven series, I keep saying this, looks like a 2018 Kia Optima from the back. And let me pull up this picture just to make sure I'm not lying. Yeah. It's a, it's a 2018 Kia Optima from the back. It's the same, the taillights, um, yeah, so here we go. Let's do a little side by side. So here's here's the seven. Oh boy. So yep, and then it's similar. I think it's. I think. Okay, you're right. The Kia has the turn signals. If you see it, you see it. Yeah, and I I really do. It's the same shape, largely. I mean, they just you can't you can't unsee that if you if you you know see it. It's like seeing a Ford Escape and an Aston Martin DBX, right? Once you have in your head the new Ford Escape is the Aston Martin DBX. Every I've legit in my head thought I'd seen a Ford Escape behind me and be like, oh, I wonder if it's a 707. Um, 
so this this like i they haven't styled the back is my issue with it um if you're gonna do that much to the front make it look like the actual grinch do something to the back to make it funky and interesting this just looks overwrought up front but not i mean it, it long story short i'm getting too far in the weeds here but i don't like the way it looks at all and interestingly we watched a review um from the fine folks over at throttle house who are killing it on youtube right now but the they they made a good point that i've never driven a uh, new seven series but it doesn't handle that has the has the worst steering feel between the s8 the s580 and of course itself the 760i so if you're going to be the bmw the, the idea is you handle better than than the other guys but it doesn't waft as well as this as the s class they said it's almost there but it's not as good but it handles worse so what are you doing then I think it comes to like it comes down to exterior. I mean, it, it, it's like it's like pick your religion, honestly, in my opinion. Like, if well, no, not necessarily. It's so <laughs> if you're going for a more, it, this is my opinion. If you're going for a more stately, you know, lug, like full size luxury sedan, you're gonna go for the S580. I think I think we can everyone can forget that scene at this point. Yeah. It's just not it's not there yet. Audi will hopefully refresh it. And it will eventually compete, but for now we can honestly drop that out of the, you know, the competition. So, in in my you know my opinion, seven series BMW designed it to be a little bit more sporty looking on the outside, super polarizing. I agree. I don't personally hate it as much as a lot of people do. It certainly is not a great looking car. So I think like the S class, you know, wins it on the exteriors, but like I think interior is where it's kind of like it's personal taste it's personal taste yeah i i actually might have a slight preference for the seven series yeah the interior is great it's, it's funkier and uh, you know i love to your point how stately the s-class is inside which i wouldn't have thought like six months ago before the new seven series dropped because it, yeah. it was so screeny because like yeah so i guess to your to, to what we talked about earlier like the seven series interior actually is quite different than the like three series or even the x7 like there, there are some serious differences if you spec it the right way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you can get more stuff. It doesn't come with more stuff, but you can get. More. Well, I mean, it definitely pops more. It pops a lot more than. Like it has, it has the iX steering wheel, um, and then it has the seven series. Excuse me, the X seven slash three series, whatever screens. And what is this compared to your seven series? The same. That looks like the X seven. Yeah, X seven. Yeah, and then. Oh my goodness! Here's my issue that I have with BMWs now: cloth seats in like a seven series. If you zoom in on this press photo, it has the like the wool woven seats. It is it is ridiculous. I don't know if that's standard or what, but in a seven sixty i, and I had a I had a Turo XC ninety maybe a year or so ago that had the wool seats too. I hated it then. I hate it even more in a seven series. But the more I look at it the more I might actually prefer the S-Class interior. The, oh, sorry, it's a concept car. Because um, in my mind, the big differentiators between the 7 Series and the 3 Series are really just this strip of ambient lighting that goes the width of the car. And of course, the gimmicky stuff that you can... There, yeah, the, the, I, I guess, it, yeah, it's, if it's spec right, the gimmicky stuff, like, really... My, I just, yeah, so... Right, right, right. So you compared that, you completely spec'd out, you know, seven series interior, every gimmick you could possibly get. It's like, you know, you get your sexy brown interior and, and whenever your Bowers and Wilkins, like stainless steel, 
And then you compare that to the S class. I mean, they're 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 vastly different. Like in my opinion, like the X, the seven series looks more. It's like a little bit more futuristic, a little bit more sporty, kind of like a little bit more eclectic and out there. Whereas the again the the S five eighty is. I mean, it's stately. It's it's simple. It's elegant. Like. It's calming. Yep. And it has, here's what gets me is I would, I think I would have more a soft spot for the seven series looking the way it is as futuristic as it did. If it had more stuff, but the S class has all the same tech. And I would say, I think even better tech in many cases for the driver assistance stuff, or at least, no, I guess it's the same, but you can spec it of course with drive pilot where it's genuinely an L3 car, but you don't get anything else TLDR with the seven series, right? In terms of actual substantive features. And then even the gimmicky stuff, you don't really know about it from up front, right? The three, the theater screen out back, you know, you don't really know about it from up front. The closed, the the auto closing doors, yeah, the screens and the rear door cards. I the more I look at them side by side, I have a soft spot for soft spot for the S class to start with. But I, the more I look at them side by side, the more of an S class guy I think I am. My one caveat is you can't spec the base S five hundred seats for they look like baleen whales. Yeah, no quilting. Just I, I think it. It actually it, it is is a toss up for me. Like, pick the day. If I'm feeling a little bit like, yeah. try to get you know maybe it's seven series. If I'm feeling like I need to be calm, I'm feeling relaxed. I'm feeling good. Status five eight. Yeah, yeah. Because I I love the way they look in the back. I like the way they look in the front. It's they're both really nice. The I don't know what Audi's doing with the with the A eight. They're they maybe they they got to discontinue it. But I I think I would go S class on this 100. percent it's, I like the way they, just based off what I hear, never having driven the new 7 Series, they, the S-Class drives better, which is the shocking thing. If you, if you, it's a toss-up for you on the styling, interior and exterior, the fact that the S-Class, I guess, drives better, wafts better, and handles better, is, is something to do, and is quieter, is noteworthy to me. All right, should we move on to state-of-the-auto market? Let's talk state-of-the-auto. This is one of Alex and my uh, favorite, favorite segments here, where we, Oh boy, we review the tanking um, prices of of cars in the you know what are the the upper the mid upper level. So for example, let, let's let's um, we've been tracking a uh, 2019 Cayenne Porsche Cayenne Turbo. It has the like truffle brown interior. Uh, it has surround view. It has driver assist. All of which these are impossible to find on a Cayenne. Like no one specs the club rounds, no one specs the surround view, no one specs the Inno Drive. These are all impossible to find. And it has like the brown Alcantara matched like C color headliner. I mean, the only thing it doesn't have is the Burmester forty, whatever they call it for Porsche forty surround. Um, I mean, that that truly is, in my opinion, the only thing that is really lacking. Yeah, I I would have put the. The clear taillights, the exclusive design taillights on there. I would have put some 22s on there, but from for substantive features, it's only missing. So this car has 12,000 miles on it. Uh, it was listed on this site, I don't know, a, six months ago, seven months ago. No, more, more. Oh, probably a year ago. It was listed for $130,000, $128,000 on this site. Since then, has not sold down to it's uh, listed today for $98,000, $99,000. And the funny thing is too, when they first listed this car, Eric was in the market for a new car and he liked the, he liked the spec. Everyone would like the spec unless you're blind. Um, called in was like, look, it's a little rich for my tastes. You know, it's used. It has 12,000 miles. It's at 128. Can you do like 124? And the guy was like, 
no, you can go kick rocks. Um, and he's like, well, I, he's, he's like, it's, it's not a $124,000 car. And Eric's like, well, I think it is. I think when maybe the economy is turning a corner, it's going to be, it's gonna, the price is going to come down. And the guy's like, okay, someone else is going to get the car. Over the course of the next like eight months, how many times did the guy call you? Like probably eight, eight times. At least, I mean, at least once a month. Yeah. And then each time he's like, okay, the price has come down a couple or in many cases, several thousand dollars. And Eric's like, well, it's crazy because so has mine. So if he comes back saying, well, now it's okay, I, that Cayenne you wanted, it's 120 now. He'd be like, well, that's crazy. That's my price is 116. Then a few weeks later, he called back, okay, it's 116. Sorry, I'm at 112 now. And so now they've they've kind of they've gotten themselves into what I'm sure is a five figure deep five figure hole on this car, where it's 98k. But what do you think it goes for? I don't know. I was trying to think. I mean. The, the, there's a reason I, I'm actually surprised that it's still for sale. Okay, so so the original MSRP on this. Do you want to take a guess? One forty-five. Supposedly that that's using this like software that generates. I don't know how accurate this is, but yeah, I mean it has. I think so. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm in surprise. This thing is. I mean, this thing is a beast. The Cayenne Turbo is an amazing car. Amazing. Great spec. I'm surprised it hasn't sold yet, but if it hasn't sold yet, it's probably going to go for like 92. Probably not. Actually, probably 90. Because if you called in today and said like, okay, look, you've been in touch with me so many times. You clearly are, that, you've, you're in such a deep hole. What's another 3K on this for what's probably a $30,000 hole in this car? Almost a $25,000, $20,000 hole in this car. They got to take it. What do you think it goes for? I bet 94. What do you think it would go for on cars and bids? Probably 80. It would probably get bid up to like 85. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I don't know. A lot of Porsche guys in cars. And there bikes. are, but there are all, we're also a lot of Rivian guys. And now the R1S is, which we're starting at 120. They're going for 120 on cars and bins. They're not going for like 94 or less. With a hundred miles on the With clock. With 100 miles on the clock. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, these are, boy, I cannot believe the price done. And the thing is we, we zero in on this car. Like it's like the biggest example of, of the car market taking a, tank but there's there's a number of examples like this too like so one car we just talked about the sa and we kind we kind of gave it a hard time but it's it is an exceptionally well-rounded car right it, it has the road reading suspension so it, it supposedly wafts pretty well you go with the speed bumps you know your water's just built it has zero to 60 and three two it's it is a it's a beast it has you know the lux in the back the lux up front the tech is still good it has the driver assistance features so there's this s8 2020 with 4,600 miles listed at Audi Oakland, which, you know, it's it's in San Francisco. You think there'd be a lot? Yeah, I saw it amount of demand for a high end car like this. It's listed now again a 2020 S8, less than 5,000 miles for eighty thousand dollars. This is about these used to start at 123 before you option them up. This is optioned up. It has you know the, again the brown interior. It looks like it might have, you know, the premium rims. I We got to pull up the full sticker on this, but it has the driver assistance tag. I mean, and at the end of the day, even if there wasn't a single option on this car, it has a ton of stuff and it's, it was 130 new. Some poor guy put 20, excuse me, 5,000 miles in this thing and bada bing, bada boom, you're taking a, what is it, $50,000 bath? It's crazy. It really, I mean, yeah, this is probably, you're right. This is probably a 140 something thousand dollar car. I like the Cayenne. Yeah. So if it's 80K now out of 140, it, yeah, it's, it's 45, 43% off. 
I mean, this is a gray looking car. I mean, it's white, which is not our favorite color for a car, but yeah, it it doesn't look S class level. Again, that's kind of another reason you would maybe go for the the over the seven series or Mercedes is you want to be a little bit less understated or more understated. Yeah, it, it's definitely low key. I mean, it's it, the SA. I think is such an if you know you know car. The fact that it's three two to sixty is nuts, and I mean these these VW Group four liter V8s they sound great. I mean I think these come standard with performance exhaust. I mean it's a it's a crazy car for eighty thousand dollars. If it wasn't white, maybe I'd test drive it. But and I think also the interior continues to be a bugaboo. But if this car wasn't white, it would be I think very close to a perfect spec. Um, but you wrap it in some sexy green, bada bing, bada boom. You have a great car. Someone's going to get away with the highest on this. Someone's going to pay like $78,000 or $76,000 for this car. It's also been listed for kind of a while. It used to be listed at 829. It's been listed for a long time, for sure. I mean, like probably probably four months. I've been getting the ads for it for at least four months on Instagram. Audi Oakland is world famous uh, in just my brain for mispricing S8s. They had a 2020 S8 with like 12 to 19,000 miles on it for a while. For a while being like eight months. Um, that are listed for like 92 or something like that. Um, or maybe 102 even, but either way, they just mispriced it criminally. I wonder if they're trying to avoid doing the same thing here, but seems so far so bad. But point, I, the thing is, it's not even just these old anachronistic cars, right? Like this, the S8, this thing probably gets like four MPG, the Cayenne Turbo three and a half. Th- this car in San Francisco would probably get the same as my SQ8 got, which was like 12. Yeah, legit. And then, but, but so the thing is, you'd think, okay, maybe we're in the San Francisco market. People are looking for like newer EVs. But this, the, the issue is, it doesn't quite seem to be the case with that. Like we, both Eric and I got Instagram ads for this EQS 450 plus. So it's the rear wheel drive, 300, what, 29 horsepower um, EQS, which is still a brand new car to the market. Like two years ago, it came out, right? And these are, I think fantastic, fantastic cars. If you are comfortable with not having a ripper in the canyons, right? They have, they're not the fastest, but they go 422 miles. I think Edmonds had it for their real world range test at 70 miles an hour. And so the spec is pretty good. It's silver. It has the AMG styling pack. It's on 21s. I mean, I think it looks pretty good. And the EQS gets a lot of flack for looking terrible. They look, I, every time I see one in real life, I'm like, oh man, that does look pretty. If, if you, yeah, I think if you spec it right, I mean, honestly, even the silver, the silver EQS doesn't even look bad. No, I would go black personally, but this, this looks pretty good. Well, yeah, no, no, you're right. Like, th- I mean, this is, uh, this is the EV version of the S580 or the S500, right? Or an S class as a whole. It's a great car. Like this thing. So much range. So much range. We is, 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 is it the most in the world on a real world no the the lucid is but like on a real world basis i think edmonds it's the most besides a lucid grand touring just because it because it way over i'm sure i mean the tech's amazing it probably rides great the interior quality is fantastic the build quality is fantastic like charging network uh what yeah that's the thing but but mercedes is pumping a billion into their charging network maybe we talk about that at a future date but but the, the spec on this thing is great. 9,000 miles, great car, 422 miles of real-world range, and, like, totally adequate performance, like 300-something horsepower. You're going to go 0 to 60 in the high fives maybe, right? Um, it's listed now. So this is probably sicker for what do you think new? Like 115? Uh, let's see. This is the 450 plus. This is the two, all-wheel drive? 
uh, real world drive. So this starts at 107. Oh wait, no, this starts at 104. I would guess this is like 110. Yeah, because it has the scan options. Yeah, that feels right because it has this, the AMG styling pack, but not much else. Um, so okay, so- it's not a great deal to be honest with you with 12,000 miles. Or wait, how many? 9,000 miles. It's not the best deal. I'm sure they'll continue to fall because this is still a brand new car. So the num- the number is 74,000 on the nose. Um, it, they just listed it, but you know, for what was 9,000 miles ago, 30, $40,000 more expensive. It's, it's a pretty big chop. So we'll see if these prices continue to drop. I'm not surprised the EV is holding its value a little bit better out here than the S8 and the Cayenne Turbo, but some crazy deals to be had at the high end of the market. Um, so I'm curious to see where this all lands, but boy, is it fun to watch and boy, do I wish I needed a new car more than I do because there's some deals. All right, so we um, are going to move on to our final segment before we, uh, you know, part ways with you all. We're going to use ChatGPT to come up with trivia questions for Alex and I to answer. We'll see if we can know the you know we can answer these questions. Let's see, let's see if they're any good. So let me let me regenerate. Let, let's let's prop this. Write me a trivia question um, around the modern. I cannot see what it's. Modern auto loan market. Okay, this is a good question. So, ChatGPT, first question is, which major car manufacturer was the first to introduce a mass-produced hybrid vehicle to the market? I mean... I, do we want it on the count of three? I have two guesses. Like, I, it's good. It's toss-up for me. Yeah, all right. Three, two, one. Toyota. It's either Toyota or Honda, I think, but... And it is Toyota. The Toyota Prius was the first mass-produced hybrid vehicle and was introduced to the Japanese market in 1997. Wow. And later to the worldwide market in 2001. I did not realize the Prius came out so early or so long ago. Do you want to guess some stats on the original Prius? Um, yeah, what are, what are some... What, uh, horsepower, 92. Sub 100, sub 100 for sure. Yeah, so 70 horsepower. Okay, 70 horsepower. Um, but, but you also get a 44 horsepower electric motor. So what, what is the, like the battery size on a 1997 Toyota Prius? I'm looking up kilowatt. It might be in, that was, maybe it was a foreign concept, uh, 1997. Okay. Here's, this actually isn't bad. So I'm looking up some good stuff right now. It, it is zero to 60 in 13 seconds, which, um, which, which I say it's I it feels unsafe, but then again, look at the 2022 Prius, and that goes zero to sixty in ten point eight. So Toyota is doing something right. So yeah, yeah, they're going in the right direction. But Prius boy, something else. All right, all right. Moving on to question number two. Which Chinese electric vehicle manufacturer founded in 2015 has become the world's largest EV maker by market capitalization, surpassing established automakers such as Ford and General Motors? I don't know. Alex, go ahead. I don't know the answer. I'm going to say BYD. BYD. I think you were thinking XPEV. I was thinking XPEV, yeah, which is XPeng or whatever the actual company name is. Oh, no. Neo. Neo. Oh, we should have known that one. All right, Neo. All right, question number two. Which automaker announced in 2021 that it will no longer sell gasoline-powered uh, passenger vehicles in Europe by 2030, and that it plans to phase out all gasoline-powered vehicles globally by 2040? Three, 
two, one, Volkswagen, Volkswagen. Group. Yep. GM. But also VWs did it similar. Their Audi did at least. Question number three. In 2021, which German luxury car manufacturer announced that it would stop developing gasoline engines and instead focus on electric and hybrid drivetrains for its future vehicles? All right. Three, two, one, out. Audi. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. And tw- all right. Last question, and then we'll wrap up for the day. In 2021, which American automaker announced that it will invest $7 billion in electric and autonomous vehicle technologies and that it plans to launch at least 30 new electric vehicles globally by 2025? including electric versions of some of its most popular models. Three, two, one. GM. I didn't say Ford, but yeah, it's GM, I think. <laughs> All right. We're five- geniuses. Wow, I can't believe we got every single one right. All right, everyone. That concludes this week's episode of Fast Talk. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.